0: guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. The sponsor of today's show is eVest, a digital brokerage firm Founded with the vision of bringing trust and credibility to the world of online trading, eVest provides investors with better opportunities in the online trading industry, offering self-trade service with high level of security and secured global licenses. eVest offers 100% reliable stocks with zero commission. So it's the middle of October and I said a couple of weeks ago at the start of one of these episodes that every week I'm going to talk about how busy Dubai is and how busy Q4 is. But if anyone has been at events out and about or on the road this week or down at Gitex, GITEX where hundreds of thousands of people attended, uh, they'll really know what I'm talking about. And everyone working in the service industry uh, or any type of events or production or agencies Uh, we'll we'll know that every weekend now there's many, many events and there's a whole sort of ecosystem and it's really good for the economy, it's really good for uh, for people as well being so active and so busy and uh, yeah, so one of those uh, interviews we have today with uh, a CEO of a production company who was also so busy that had to do this on Zoom uh, remotely, uh, such as the even our hours and our calendar are hard to, to fit everything in at the moment. But it was a really good interview, actually a great story of um, you know a creative production house and a turnaround story and I think people uh, from any business line will uh, relate a lot. So enjoy the conversation. Welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. Today with us is Bella Bowler. She is the CEO of Jungle House Films, a film and production house in Dubai with a specialization in visual storytelling. Jungle House Films covers everything from development to production, to editing services. Bella herself has a really interesting background in the startup space. We'll talk all about that. We'll talk about the story of Jungle House Films, uh, the industry in Dubai, the current uh, landscape, and look to the future, both this busy sort of Q4 theory, period and what the outlook is on the region. Uh, good morning, Bella.
1: Good morning. Nice to meet you. Thank you for having me.
0: Nice to meet you too. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, Yeah, so tell us a little bit about uh, Jungle House Films, uh, what you know of it and kind of your role as well.
1: So I joined as CEO about four months ago. Um, It was my first kind of foray into the production industry, into the media industry. Uh, I come from slightly more of a tech background. So it was very exciting for me to take on a new challenge and a new adventure and and learn about a new industry. Um, What was interesting was coming into a business that really was kind of in a a critical inflection period where it had been running for three years, but was really in need of systems and processes and the right tools to be able to scale Um, and also implementing kind of a new culture as well. But it being my first time working with creatives and creative personalities, um, there were definitely a lot of challenges there for me to adopt a culture that worked for them and adopt a management style that, that worked for them because, you know, I'm used to being, working with tech people, with finance people, with other founders, and it's a very different temperament.
0: <laughs> Definitely. Interesting. So just from the outside of looking in, I know if, if anyone goes on the Jungle House Films website, they'll see it. It looks, all intents and purposes, a quite a high-end production company. You, you work with big brands. You, know, you might do TVCs, you might do film, you might do shoots for events and things like that. How, how do you describe the services and the business?
1: So we're a full-service production house. Um, We can assist our clients with the whole spectrum uh, of services around production from pre-production all the way to post-editing, obviously with the production in between. Uh, But because we have a really good team, we have a 7,000-foot studio, uh, we're also able to come in at specific points throughout the production process. So some of our clients just want help with VFX work. We have an amazing VFX editor. Some people just want help with pre-production work, and so we try and be flexible and say, you know, if you have certain parts of your production figured out, we're still able to assist on the other sides. Also, you know, in terms of us being high end, I, I definitely wanted our as we we're rebranding and going new direction. I wanted us to have a more editorial kind of feeling for our clients, but because of my background in startups and my passion for small businesses. I also wanted to make sure that our price points were accessible for startups or small brands that also needed help creating really impactful imagery and getting it out there.
0: Uh, that's very important. And, you know, uh, you know not following the, the flow of the questioning, but as you mentioned it, do you think that uh, those type of clients you would work with as well, uh, you know, c- startups who are sort of new to telling stories and new to production and, and telling their brand stories, do you think that would be a, a key kind of line of, of clientele that you bring on board?
1: I definitely think so. And, and I love that question because, you know, it's great to go for the big multinational clients it's great to have retainers if we're just talking commercially. But I think that there is an entire section of the market that is kind of neglected, in the sense that they're either priced out of not being able to access, you know, very high end production, media, branding, ad PR agencies, or they need assistance in terms of, you know, when I work with the really small brands, I kind of bring my venture capital advisory hat background in and I say, okay, I understand that you want to Get this product across or get this service across to the market but what's the story that we're really trying to tell in terms of what are your values what are your aspirations as a founder how do we make this visual story match your commercial aspirations Um, and so there's almost a bit of kind of a, a consulting aspect that goes into it because you know consumers are very savvy nowadays and they feel when a brand is not telling an authentic message and particularly with gen z which are you know emerging as the biggest kind of purchasing group they really value authenticity and so we make sure with our clients to get into their core values and and ensure that we're putting those across
0: yeah interesting because yeah any kind of storytelling and production has many facets to it but of course you really need to understand the story you're telling, be it a protagonist or a brand, and then also have the right skill set to be able to execute on that as well. Um, and you know, I saw your, your team members, you seem to have a lot of talented or experienced people in production. What sort of skill set do you have in-house and what sort of uh, people do you, do you hire as well?
1: Yeah, so we have a full editing team, um, including a VFX expert and motion graphics and animation expert. Um, In our production team, we have directors of photography. We have a director that is not um, completely full-time with us, but is like an honorary member of our team and works on us with every project. He works from our studio. Um, I have an amazing head of post-production. I have my chief of staff, my logistics manager. We have producers that we work with. And so I'm really trying to kind of expand The Jungle House family to give my team the flexibility to say you can be part of the family. You can work from our office. Office will work with you on projects. But one thing I've learned about working with creatives is they really value freedom. And so I try to also give my team to have the freedom to say, okay, you have this passion project that you want to work on. Go do that because it'll ultimately make you a a happier employee. Um, And in terms of what I look for when hiring, you know, I think the most important thing to me is somebody that's an all rounder. And I think that's just because of my startup experience. I, I really value people that are willing to kind of roll up their sleeves and say, okay, this is my job description, but these are the extra things that I can do or I can help with because we're a growing business. You know, I'm the CEO, but I also make the coffee. So I uh, I think it's important to, to have that really kind of team player mindset.
0: And that's really, uh, you know, it's a nice thing for a CEO or someone who makes the decisions to say it from the outset of an expectation because it's a good cultural setting uh, statement to be able to make. It's interesting. Uh, So at the moment, uh, what's the makeup of your clients? Uh, You know, do do you have categories of types of clients by industry or by company size?
1: So we have extensive experience in automotive Um, we are building up our corporate portfolio now in terms of company videos and corporate videos we actually really enjoy shooting those because you know some other companies don't find them as sexy but I always think it's so exciting to find a beautiful way to put across a company's message or their goals Um, we're starting to grow our fashion and beauty uh, vertical as well we've just actually done Oh, I don't know if I'm able to say because it's not out yet, but we've just done a shoot um, for one of the world's biggest fashion magazines um, and an up and coming beauty brand from America. And we do a lot of FMCG. So, you know, we're kind of sector agnostic. I think our value proposition is really focused around having a very personalized experience with our clients um, and knowing that we kind of do our best to really understand them.
0: Interesting. And so the company founded three years ago. It was it was called, if I get this right, TG Productions. And there's been uh, a, a rebrand. Uh, it, it's based in Alcuz, It's been successful. You have a lot of clients. Uh, did you come in before the rebrand? And you know, what's it like rebranding an existing company in terms of how you communicate it to your clients and your and people who are following the story?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So I actually was the one that implemented the rebrand. We used to be called TG Media. um, And then when I was put in as CEO, uh, I suggested that we needed a rebrand. And so we kind of had a brainstorming session with the team. I took their, their input as well on the name. And then it was a little bit of a challenge kind of strategically thinking, how do we tell the market about this? And I've taken a very slow approach, to be honest with you, in the sense that, you know, I took down all our social media, and we're starting from scratch uh, with imagery that really expresses the kind of new way that we want to be seen, the new image that we want to project. Um, And that's a slow process, because I want it to be done authentically, um, and done well. You know, we did reach out to our existing client base and say, you know, just to let you guys know, we're going to be known as Jungle House Films from now on. But The new brand has such a different tone of voice than the old one um, that I'm really taking my time to make sure that in terms of at least marketing and what we're putting out into the world, that it's reflecting the new tone of voice. Um, But it's definitely a challenge. You know, we still get people calling us TG, uh, you know, which is fine. Things take time. Yeah. But I think. You know, what's important with a rebrand is to really share your new values with your clients. And uh, the way that we've kind of been doing that is not just expressing it to them, but also through the kinds of work that we're doing now. Uh, We've adopted a very different style in terms of our cinematography style and our photography style to reflect kind of the new image that we want.
0: Okay, interesting. And Bella, just talking a little bit about your decision to come on board with this type of company. You mentioned off air that you consulted over one hundred and fifty startups across the region. You know the VC world is very different. I think maybe I'm wrong that to what you're doing now. What was your sort of thought process into taking on this challenge?
1: So I left the VC and startup enable world, uh, startup enablement world, three and a half years ago. Um, to start my own tech startup, uh, because I realized that I'd spent my whole career telling other people how to grow their businesses without having built one myself, Um, which is actually a very common problem in the VC ecosystem is that, you know, a lot of fund managers here don't actually have operational experience of building a company from scratch. And I remember I was in a meeting with two founders once, and they said to me, well, Bella, you know, that's great advice, but have you ever had a sleepless night? Or not been able to pay your mortgage because you know you're in the trenches with your business, and that that really stuck with me. And I said, you know what? If I'm going to be the best investor, I want to be. I need to be able to empathize with this experience. So I started my first tech startup. Uh, it was called Shiftling, um, and then COVID happened um, when we were two years old. And took away my business. You know, I lost my company during COVID because the services that we were offering were all really impacted uh, by COVID. But it was a great learning experience. And then I went and, and started a few other businesses. And the shareholders of TG Media came to me and they said, Look, you know, you have good experience in advising people on how to build companies and how to turn them around. So would you would you consider taking on this challenge in a completely new industry? So I accepted. <laughs>
0: That's amazing. And yeah, and, and thank you for sharing as well. It's, I think th- those type of experiences are even more valuable uh, to daily operations in normal business and going through, through that and sort of you learn from everything, I guess. But what, what were some of the things that you learned in terms of uh, not just turnarounds, but some of the things that you, you think you can apply or you already are applying in the last four months in, in Jungle House?
1: So the first thing that I came in and did that was my number one priority was processes and systems. And a lot of times, small businesses overlook processes and systems because you're in a mad dash to make cash, basically. You know, you're in a mad dash to survive, to grow, to make payroll that month. And oftentimes, governance systems and processes are overlooked until much further down the line when you start seeing really sticky operational issues or even customer service issues or product issues. And so it's not, you know, it's not sexy, it's not exciting, but I spent my first month really creating nitty gritty processes, um, building a CRM system, building a new accounting system and getting buy-in from the team. And what I found that I was so grateful for is oftentimes getting buy-in from teams to completely change the way they've done business or done their work can be challenging, but my team were really hungry for the structure. And so Thank God it was, uh, that was a gentle thing. So that, that was one of the first things was systems and processes. Every small business needs to think about them from very early on. Um, the next thing that I really focused on was culture. And that's another thing that's often overlooked until a business is slightly more mature. And I think that it's so important as the CEO of a business to really focus on building the culture that you believe is the right one. I can't prescribe my culture, you know, on on onto other leaders and other founders, but we have uh, some values that, you know, we really try and stick to. And one of them is transparency. You know, my team, we do 360 feedback all the time. They let me know what they're happy with or unhappy with, with me as as a manager, vice versa. And we do it instantly. We don't do, you know, long drawn out performance reviews every quarter. Um, Authenticity is a big value of ours. So do things that are true to you and true to your values and true to the values of the company. Um, Also, you know, just having kind of an open door policy was, this is going to be a bit controversial to say, but it was a little bit challenging for me because, you know, the business was kind of in a state of distress and the team were, you know, they had this new new CEO on board and I was having people coming in my office every 10 minutes. I was in meetings all day long. I wasn't able to build a business. So I also think setting boundaries with your team is important about saying, I'm here for you guys. Whatever you need, I'm on your side. I'm gonna fight for you. But we need to have a balance in terms of when we're working and when we're talking. <laughs> um, and not that I'm running a tyrannical ship or anything, but again, you know, I opened this conversation kind of talking about the temperament of creatives. And there's a lot of feelings. There are a lot of feelings. Um, and so it was very interesting for us to kind of have open conversations and say, you know, why don't we set aside some time for feelings every week in, in the team meeting? Um, why don't we have a structured way that we kind of communicate with each other? And I always tell my team, could this conversation be a slack? You know, mm. and so we, 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 we have tried to bring in other tools to kind of streamline our communication as well, while still having a culture of, of you know, happiness and people being comfortable and, and people. I, I want everyone to be excited to come to work every day.
0: That's amazing. So it's fascinating. So they're the two main things that you did process and culture. Uh the type of culture that you brought in for someone who's only you know recently been doing startups, like that, it sounds like you've thought about this a lot. It sounds like that you've kind of you know because those type of that those type of cultural things could work in many organizations, right? Um, and is that something that you've sort of learned from and defined over time, and you've thought about like what makes a good business, or do you think this particularly works in the sort of service industry? Hmm.
1: That's a great question. So you know. Working in VC and, and startup enablement for seven years gave me access to hundreds of companies and hundreds of ideas of how to and how not, you know, and I've I've, see, I've learned so much from the founders that i worked with, from their experience about what builds a happy company, what builds a valuable company. And so, you know, I, I learned a lot from their experiences and then was able to implement kind of those learnings and those knowledge and and refine them to what feels good to me over the past few years with my businesses but I, you know I think that culture trickles down from the top and it's really important to think very deeply about what your values are and how you're going to implement them
0: yeah interesting and you know I kind of relate to the second point you mentioned around or the third point of culture where it's the boundaries as well because with with regards to the question is around turnaround, um, I you know with our business we have offices in in Riyadh and, and Cairo and Dubai and the Dubai office is doing really well it's really successful, uh you know and the Riyadh office wasn't for a while and now it is and then the Cairo office isn't and I I relate it to sort of um turnarounds in terms of, you know like in a sporting sense in a dressing room or in a restaurant where. You don't have clientele and footfall. And there seems to be more complaints and more noise and more chat and and blaming different departments in the restaurant. If a restaurant isn't busy, people will say, it's a marketing fault. No, the menu is wrong. No, the PR agency. And actually, like, it's kind of loser talk, isn't it? But when you sort of, if you get rid of that sort of negativity and blaming things and you just get on with work, suddenly, like, that's the first step to turning things around. Is that what you see? Or how do you kind of approach turnaround as well?
1: Absolutely. You know, when I joined the team, the the entire team was demoralized. Um, there was a lot of infighting. Uh, and I, I, you know, I spent my first few weeks saying, guys, I'm not running a nursery here. You know, people were blaming each other exactly like you said. Um, there really wasn't this sense of we're all on the same steam train going forward, full steam ahead. Um, and that's something that I really had to change. And that's why I brought in systems of accountability and systems of transparency so that, you know, everyone knows what they're meant to be doing. and You can't blame somebody else. You are accountable at the end of the day, just like I'm accountable at the end of the day. And, you know, working on on that was was very important. But, I, you know, it's interesting. The systems and processes have also definitely helped because then everything's out in the open. You know, we do something that's quite unusual in our company and that our CRM system, everyone has access to in the sense that everyone can see what deals we have, what the value of the deal is. Um, so everyone knows how much revenue the company's making. We have open conversations about our margins. We do our invoices and estimates together um, because, you know, that was one thing that the team really felt was lacking was that transparency. And they felt that they couldn't contribute fully if they didn't have, uh, a full view of the business. Now, many people will disagree with me on this, but for this particular team in this particular industry, it was the right move because we went from being unprofitable to profitable in three months. Wow, um, which, you know, is 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 a short time to do so. Um, and I, I can, I think, a lot of it was because you know I made these these kind of changes. I'd also think it's important to talk about incentivizing people as well. You know, I came in and I said, all right, guys, we are a startup. We are not able to pay everyone what I believe you are worth being paid. You're worth so much more than what we're able to give you right now. But let me see what I can do in terms of finding a way to get you to a number that, you know, that you deserve. Mm
0: -hmm. And so
1: every single person in our company is able to get commissions if they bring in sales from the gentleman that makes our coffee to my director of photographer. Um, and it works, you know, it's been working. That's what's helped us get to profitability in three months, because now everyone's incentivized. On top of that, um, and this is more kind of industry related, is if one of the team members wants to help out as another role on a shoot. So, for example, my head of photography is also an amazing um, assistant director. And so, you know, there are some jobs where she'll say, I'll do it, I'll be AD on this shoot. And then we compensate her for that extra work. Mm. Um, So by the end of the month, you know, people are making sometimes double what they would have before. And I think that's something that's really important because a lot of companies often think about only incentivizing their sales team, whereas I wanted to incentivize everyone because I want them all to feel ownership over the business.
0: That's really smart. It's really interesting. But do you think some of those things might, you know, the the points originally about finding people who can do everything and then uh, sort of that might if they're being incentivized to do something that's not their role that they, they might kind of design that on purpose so they might sort of position themselves for added revenue and things like that.
1: Yeah great question so I have thought about that and we had one occasion of that happening <laughs> and I think, you know, the way that I stop that is I know what everyone's skills are in my business um, and I know what their core role is and then what their kind of peripheral role is. And then anything outside of that is what I'm always happy to compensate them extra for doing. Um, But for example, uh, my head of post-production comes from an agency background and she is very familiar and very skilled with social media and social media marketing. I'm not. And so, you know, I've had her kind of step in to help me a little bit with the social media marketing and working with our with our marketing manager to kind of bridge that that time and knowledge gap. Now, that's something that's kind of in the peripheral of her role. That's mm. very different than her being paid to, you know, produce a small shoot.
0: Yeah. No, definitely. Um, you know, it's fascinating how you approach it in terms of incentives. But do you think that, you know, as you grow, like, obviously... With startups, the incentive alignment is usually related to equity and, you know, investing periods and future value of company. Um, and this is a different sort of business, right? So in terms of uh, valuations and scale and, and things like that. So have you had to find a system that's similar to incentivizing uh, employees in an early stage startup to the service industry? And this is what you've come up with.
1: So... On top of kind of the, incentivize, the incentivization schemes that I that we have, I've also spoken to the team about implementing a, um, a stock option for them, uh, because again, I think it's just it's very important to have buy-in from your team for them mm. to feel like it's their business. So we're looking at Q3 next year, implementing, you know, putting aside a pool of shares for the employees to be able to, to get access to and invest over time. Because, I mean, it's not it's not only great, you know, to give everyone a sense of ownership, but this even works in this kind of more traditional industry or service oriented industry, because every single one of these people has a network. And with me being new to the industry, I don't have the same network in this industry that they do. And so I want to be able to ethically tap into their network and reward them for, you know, bringing us work, bringing us freelancers, bringing us partners, um and i think you know them being part owners of the business is a great way to incentivize them to do that
0: brilliant do you think that some of that is technically legally challenging structure wise and how do you approach it hmm.
1: so no it, it's it's not it's not very challenging structure wise you know you you set aside a a a pool of shares you know called esop and everyone's able to Access them after a certain amount of time. It's more about just having very clear documentation yeah. with the team, so everyone understands when they vest how they vest, what their cliff period is, etc.
0: Okay, fair enough. Okay, cool. And you know, um, I know you're relatively new to the production space, but how do you view it as a, as an opportunity uh, for for your company? And also, uh, how do you how have you assessed the market in Dubai? Are there a lot of production companies? Is it competitive? Um, And is the market buoyant?
1: Yeah. So I'd love to answer that question of an opportunity with an answer about a challenge. Mm. Um, Because, you know, within challenges, you find opportunities. And the biggest challenge that I found is that uh, because of the new visa rules for freelancers, the market has been flooded with freelancers, particularly in the media space. Um, And so... The challenge there is that we will be tendering for jobs or pitching for jobs with large brands and we're competing with freelancers that are able to charge a tenth of what we charge. You know, even with us being reasonably priced, obviously we're a business, we have overheads, so we have to account for that in our margins. And that's been a huge challenge for us. And I I can give you a tangible example is we were tendering for a job with a huge publicly listed company, huge business. We had sent in um, the uh, estimate for them for 100,000 dirhams. It was, you know, 12 commercials, 50 cast members, you know, and then think of 50 cast members. You have hair and makeup, you have stylists, you have catering. So I'm only saying this for you to think of all the costs that go into this size of production. And they came back to us and said that they got a quote for 8,000 dirhams. So how do you compete with that, you know? So that's been a really big challenge for us is is seeing how many talented, really talented freelancers are in the market. But the opportunity in that lies with us creating alliances with those people because everyone has something really valuable to offer. And, you know, we love to partner with them and say, okay, well, you know, sometimes you're gonna get access to jobs that we don't, but it's bigger than just you and your camera or just you and your editing uh, computer. So let's partner and make it worthwhile for for both of us. So, I mean, that's how I approach business in general is I don't believe in competition, I believe in partnerships. Even to your point about how, um, you know, if the production industry is competitive from other production houses, it it certainly is. You know, we're a small market here in the UAE. um, And I would say that there are probably about 30 to 40 production houses. And that's, you know, not even including the, uh, the freelancers. And so I've started forming relationships with a few of them that I feel really share our values um, that I think would be good partners for us. And I've said, we don't need to compete. Let's partner. We have things you, you need and you don't have. You have things we need and, and, and we don't have. So that's actually been working out really well for us because, you know, I think people really appreciate that transparency and they appreciate you just kind of putting your cards on the table and, and saying, let's win together. Hmm. So I definitely think that it is a crowded space. Um, but within that lies opportunity. I do think that, you know, as Dubai continues to raise its profile globally, particularly post-COVID, a lot more brands are going to be looking to start generating content for the region, uh, even brands that aren't based here. And so, you know, there's hopefully no shortage of work for for everyone.
0: Definitely. Optimist, uh, positive uh, outlook as well. Yeah, so a couple of things there, really interesting. So, how much of that sort of freelance versus um you know full on full service production company uh, is driven by production shifts and how how things are being produced on different devices and people's expectation around video as well. Do you think there's an element of that with clients as well?
1: That is a fantastic question and and you know i I think so because if we look at the type of content that people are um absorbing at the moment or that people are seeking again we need to look at demographics right and the biggest demographic in terms of social content is definitely gen z gen z likes short form so if we're talking about short form if we're talking about reels if we're talking about tiktoks if we're talking about 10 second ads because that's the attention span we have nowadays you know the the equipment that's needed to film and produce that and edit it is here yeah you know It's, it's on your phone. You don't yeah. need, you know, we, we have four red cameras, which are, you know, Hollywood level cameras. You don't need four red cameras to produce that kind of content to access Gen Z as, as a purchasing group um, and even millennials to a certain extent. So I definitely think that technology and the way that we absorb content and the type of content has, has changed. I don't see... um I don't think that a a traditional production house is a uh, long term sustainable way to run the business. I think that hybrid models are going to become more important. Uh, Technology first models are going to become more important. That's why we've invested in, in an amazing VFX editor that is really strong in virtual reality, augmented reality, and can kind of cater to to those types of clients and, and projects too. So to answer your question, I, I definitely think that the industry is changing and, you know, having having kind of an old school, full on production house will be needed for, for film, definitely, and some TVC, but I think that the hybrid model and the tech forward model is definitely the way forward.
0: Interesting. And yeah, you know, freelancers have been around a long time, and it's also with creators, but there's that sort of, uh, business necessity of having an infrastructure and a team around you. If you're a creator, if you're an influencer, a creator, or if you're a freelancer, that you know, uh, to work with clients, you need to deliver a level of service. As we talked about at the start, you need to understand uh, what business challenges you're looking to solve with this piece of content and also have the different skill sets to be able to deliver it as well. Um, and yeah, fascinating about the different, the Uh, you know, FX, the editors, uh, and we're seeing a lot more in Dubai, we're seeing a lot more creative work being produced, right? Like, uh, you know, CGI and all these sorts of of things. And when you see something good, it kind of um, inspires other people in the market to look for something similar. Does that, does that type of, you know, in one way, mean that the competition, those 30, 40 companies is actually good, is that it pushes on the industry to sort of new heights,
1: Definitely. It, it it raises the standards. It raises the bar. You know, there are some production houses that we really admire. Um, and, we you know, we've had meetings where we've sat around and we've said, wow, we want to be like them when we grow up. You know, and I, I think that's that's a really healthy thing to do. Um, I just want to add one more note kind of on the freelancers and how we're trying to be, you know, future thinking and forward thinking at Jungle Houses. I am trying to create an ecosystem for freelancers within within my production house. And what that means is we have 7,000 square feet, you know, we have editing bays, we have editing computers, we have equipment, um, we have a whole team. And what I've noticed is a lot of freelancers kind of struggle with their back office stuff. Mm. So either they're not able to invoice because they don't necessarily have a, a commercial bank account, or they don't have accounting systems, or they're not really strong on specific types of, of marketing or admin or strategy. And so I want Jungle House Films. And the reason why we called it Jungle House is because we want it to be everyone's home. Mm-hmm. You know, Come back to the house, work from our studio, take a desk, let us help with your back office operations, let us help with your strategy, let us help you grow your business. Um, and we're looking at doing that through a very affordable subscription model. So you just have a, it's almost like a, a co-working space you know, times a thousand because we actually help you grow your business. And that's a way for us to also kind of add a new revenue stream for the business outside of just pure production, almost going into like production consulting for for freelancers and helping them
0: grow. Love it. Great idea. L- lots of good ideas. You must have come off your previous role very fresh <laughs> with ideas for, for the new business or just understand the challenges really well. Um, just question, you know, traditionally in, in many parts of the world, uh, advertising agencies lead creative for brands and then work with uh, sometimes they have in-house and sometimes they work with production companies. Have you aligned uh, Jungle House Films with uh, any of the leading creative uh, agencies in, in the region? Or would We'd you? love
1: to. We'd love to. So if you guys are interested, <laughs> check us out. <laughs> yeah. um, that, that's definitely one of the things that's part of my strategy. I think, you know, because it's only been about four months now with me as CEO, I was just trying to kind of write the ship. And now that the ship is has, is righted, um, then we can start looking to, to building even more partnerships. So we definitely I mean, I actually would like to partner with more uh, boutique agencies um, only because I think you can have like a really uh, intimate relationship with them and, and help them grow their business in tandem. Whereas a lot of the big agencies have, you know, every production house kind of knocking down their doors. Um, and it can also be challenging working with big agencies too. You know, their payment terms can be challenging. Yeah. Um, their intern can be challenging, so,
0: yeah. Sorry, yeah, definitely, totally agree. Uh, cool, so just, you know, the name, the Jungle House Films and the films part of it, and we've talked at length now about sort of servicing and working creatively with, with clients. What's your view on your own IP of telling your own stories, be it film or short-form productions, and is that something that would ever be, Uh, part of what you do?
1: So every day I come home and my husband has a new idea for a TV show. (laughs) He's a lawyer, so he gets excited (laughs) to, uh, you know, be creative once in a while. Uh, Look, I mean, I just had a great meeting last week, actually, uh, with somebody from the film industry that works on scripts and kind of puts scripts in, in front of executive producers and platforms. And we definitely have some ideas um, that we want to work on. Um, Some of them, some of them are kind of more short films. Um, Some of them are series based. And so we're working on a few scripts at the moment um, that we think could be interesting. But, you know, that's not something that, you know, we're going to rely on in the short term in terms of being revenue generating, just because it's a one in a million shot, you know, but it's something fun that we like to do in the office and, and put a bit of our heart and soul into. And one thing actually that I'm I'm very passionate about is music. And I want us to do more music videos. Um, I actually, we're putting out a notice next week. So I might as well give you guys the scoop um, that uh, we want to produce two free music videos for local talent. Um, So if anyone would like to have us produce their music video for free, uh, reach out to us on Instagram at Jungle House Films and, and we'd love to to chat with you. And that's just something that I want to do to give back to the music community because I'm I'm very passionate about music and there's a lot of talent locally as well that deserves an opportunity.
0: Very cool. That's a nice initiative. I'm sure it will be well received because there's a lot, there is, as you know, there's a lot of creative musicians in, in Dubai, especially that just need a bit more support. I love it. Uh, cool. So, Bella, what next? Like, you know, it's busy Q4. There's a lot of events. The market's... Happening? Uh, are you Are you guys fully sort of looking towards finishing the year strong and then planning next year, or what do you have in the pipeline?
1: From your lips to God's ears, um, <laughs> we are hoping to continue uh, continue strong. Uh, we started off really, really strong for the season, and you know, I was. I am not going to lie I I was I was worried this summer because things were very quiet and I had again my first time in the industry and the team reassured me that that's normal if things are quieter in this industry in summer take a deep breath and then we were fully booked straight for 3 months hmm. so we we've, we've been fully booked in September we're fully booked October fully booked November so it's you know alhamdulillah it's it's we're very lucky um I think what I want to do is dedicate a little bit more time to kind of more of the strategic stuff um, and kind of instead of focusing so much on, on operational. And, and that's a, a piece of advice that I always give um, CEOs or founders of young businesses is you need to constantly work towards working on the business and not working in the business because that's not where your talents are best used. So yeah, I'm hoping to spend a bit more time doing some strategy and, uh, and we're already planning for New Year's. So
0: yeah yeah that's happening for new Year's of course uh brilliant and what about the outlook in the region have Have you mainly spent your career in the region and do you do you see it as an emerging market that will emerge, and do you think that your current business will be active in other markets as well here
1: mm. I mean the region's just going from strength to strength you know when i when I got here nine years ago, I think there were only maybe two v c funds uh, maybe one startup enablement organization and a handful of, of startups. It was very very nascent, and Fadi Grandour was really leading the way in terms of educating people about you know how to grow the ecosystem. So Amanda, yeah. since then, where we are now, it's phenomenal to see what's happened in many industries, but particularly in, in the startup scene, not just in tech, but but all startups. Um, I think that the UAE is going to continue to. Um, market itself as a safe, stable, reliable place to do business. Um, I definitely think that Saudi is important. You know, everyone's been talking about Saudi for years as an opportunity. And the Saudi government is also launching a lot of initiatives uh, to attract talent and businesses. So Saudi is definitely a market uh, that we have our eye on. um, And we'd love to partner with, you know, local Saudi production firms and, and kind of see what magic we can we can do together.
0: Okay, amazing. Uh, so yeah, uh, that's a really interesting story. And so what, what is, is there any big project or exciting thing that's taking up most of your time now or is going to keep the team busy or that you're pretty excited about?
1: So I'm not allowed to say anything that's upcoming because our clients are very strict about we can't say or post anything until they've posted it or, or said it. But we actually just did the eat campaign for Kareem. Um, you might have seen it on you know ads on your phone on YouTube yeah. um, with the thirty minutes or less kind of guarantee. And so we just did those those videos and the Kareem team were an absolute dream to work with we learned so much from them they were so professional so knowledgeable and it was quite a big production for us so that was something that we're really really proud of and excited about
0: okay amazing well thanks for sharing this pleasure talking to you this morning uh it sounds like you've already had a big impact in the last few months and uh you know it's quite a, an interesting company for people to follow as well from a production point of view so i'm sure people will check it out online and yeah best of luck with the future and thanks for joining That was really fun. I enjoyed what Bella had to say uh, a lot about the production industry and can relate to it for Augustus Media as well, how we have our couple of values or three values and uh, it's interesting to, to hear someone who makes decisions based on those values for how uh, she runs her business as well. So. Uh, I found it useful, I hope you did too. And thank you to the people who you haven't heard on the audio today who made this possible, Shahir and Ali especially. Uh, and if you are listening to it on Apple, Spotify, or uh, Angami, please do like, comment, share, subscribe. Uh, if you're watching on, uh, on any of our channels, you'll be able to check out smashy.tv as a browser. It's iOS, Android. We're also available on Samsung TVs on Sony TVs uh, and many more TVs seem to come as well. Uh, And yeah, as usual, back every Friday, 11 a.m., we write about these interviews on Love in Dubai website and some of these videos and the clips are shared throughout on our different Smashy uh, profiles. So this will be on Smashy Business on Instagram or Smashy Entertainment or any of those. There's 12 different Smashy verticals from crypto to style to home. Uh, that you can check out as well Uh, enjoy and enjoy the weekend and speak to you next week